We're going to conclude this morning this, uh, this series on uh, name dropping, the names of God in the Bible. Uh, so I get the privilege of wrapping it up. I get to be the caboose on the series. Um, and we're going to look at the name Adonai. Adonai. You've probably heard it, but do you really know what Adonai means? Because if you're going to use that term, uh, there's, there's things that go with that. And we want to unpack that. We want to talk about what Adonai means. Uh, before we get started with it, uh, let me, some of you are new and you don't know me. Let me just say this little bit about me. Uh, I am the senior pastor of this church. Uh, I began, I, we began the church in 1980. So I've been at this for 43 years. We've seen some amazing things happen. Blows my mind what God can do with someone that says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I want to encourage you to say yes, Lord, a little bit more often in your life. We're going to unpack that and talk about what that means. Uh, So let me just say that Adonai is plural. It's not singular, it's plural. Adon is the singular, and it means Lord. Adonai means Lord's. Why plural? Because God is a three-part being. He's a Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He always has been. We looked at the name of God, Elohim. Did you know that that is also plural? I am on the end of a Hebrew word makes it plural. As in this case, the A-I on the end of a dome makes it plural. We're talking about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit when we say, yes, Lord, because they are united. They work together. And if you want the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working together in your life, you need to learn to call him Adonai. It's used over 400 times in the Old Testament. It's a common name for God. It literally means Lord, as in ownership. There's certain things God owns, takes responsibility for. As, as in a master and slave relationship. And the master takes responsibility for the well-being of his possession, his slave. Now we're, we're, we're mostly white Americans. We don't like to think about ourselves as slaves. But this is exactly why so few Christians see God at work in their life. They don't call him Adonai. They don't recognize him as Lord. Psalm 97.5 says, The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. That's Adonai. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. He's not just Lord of your life. He's the Lord of the whole earth. The problem is people don't recognize it. They think he's, he's we want him to be Lord in heaven. But we don't want him to really be Lord down here because it means we relinquish control. We give up our lordship and make him Lord of our lives. This morning, because we're on limited time, I want to share four stories in the Old Testament where the word Adonai is used. And it will help us understand what Adonai means for us. Here's the first one. It's about Abraham. We're going to look at Abraham's surrender. 
In Genesis 15, verses 1 and 2, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord, that's Adonai, God, Lord God, that's Jehovah. We talked about Jehovah. He's the self-revealing God. Now we're putting those names together. What will you give me seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. You see, there's always a gap between the promise and the provision. And that's where we get hung up. We love the promise. We're claiming the promise. We're grabbing a hold of the promise. We're carrying the promise. But there's always a gap. And when we look at the gap, we get discouraged. We lose heart. We think God doesn't keep his word. God doesn't mean what he says. But he does. So, in this, uh, in this portion, we see the word Lord, Adonai, and God, Jehovah, together. In the, uh, in the original King James version of the Bible, we see that printed in two different ways. I think we have, yeah, Jehovah is printed in all capitals. Adonai is in capital L, but lowercase O-R-D. You see that in the Bible when you read it. It's always done that because they want us to know the difference between Adonai and Jehovah. We just use the word God. But there's a whole lot of, uh, I don't want to say baggage, that's a negative word. There's a whole lot of things that go with these names. And that's why we've been trying to unpack that for you. So Abraham is frustrated because he's heard the promise and time's going by and he's not seeing the answer. So he's he's got this frustration and in uh, down in verses 4 and 5 of the same chapter, it says, And behold, the word of the Lord, Adonai, came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven, and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. I've given you a promise. Quit trying to make it happen on your own. God has given a lot of us a promise, and we've been doing everything we could to make the promise happen, claiming the promise, but we're the ones trying to make it happen. He's not really Lord. We're Lord. We're trying to connive something. Abraham tried to connive something that got him in trouble, and we're learning about what Adonai means. It means surrender. It means submission. Probably in our American culture, the best way for us to understand this is, yes, sir. Have you ever said, yes, sir, to somebody? Some of us don't want to put the sir on there. Yes, sir. It's a submission thing. I will do what you say. I don't maybe like it, but I will do what you say. That's Adonai. That's lordship. To lay claim to the promises, you must submit to him. This is where so many churches are feeding people pablum instead of meat. They're telling them things that people want to hear rather than what they need to hear. 
I'd much rather hear what I need to hear that's going to help me than just to have a good feeling today. So let's, let's look at it from that perspective. Illustration. When I was a teenager, I, uh, I got a job baling hay or straw. I don't remember what it was. We worked for, uh, this, I remember this one particular time we were working for a farmer over by Butler called Kenny Kepi. Some of you know who he is. It shows how old I am. Uh, we were, I was a teenager. We were bailing hay. My dad had a 1951 Ford. He had gotten a better car. So he let me take that, uh, car to work. And this particular day, this farmer was wanting a bunch of boys to come bail hay. That was, a. Uh, a job that I'm sad not many people, young people, have the opportunity to learn how to do. So I was there, and I, I went around town, and I picked up some of my classmates, people I knew, and we went out and we bailed hay. On the lunch hour, we were sitting around taking a break, and we were about a mile north of State Road 8 on State Road 1. And this friend of mine asked if he could take my dad's car down to the corner and bring it back. That's all just down and back. Fool that I am. I said, sure. So I gave him the keys. He drove the car down to State Road 1 back. Just short trip. When he came back, there was a tooth out of low gear. It was a manual shift and first gear had a tooth knocked out of it. And my friend said, I don't know what happened. They just, just started doing that. Then later, the guy that was with him, took the ride with him, told me he revved up the engine, popped the clutch, see how much rubber he could lay on the highway, knocked the tooth out of low gear. So that was my work car. So every time I went to drive that thing, I'd start out in low gear, and there'd be this clunk, 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 until I can shift into second. It's embarrassing for a teenager. You know, you want to you wanna let everybody know you got it together. You see, my dad was the owner of that car. He trusted it to my care. My dad cared about that car. That was his baby. And I knew that. So I took care of that car because I had to take it home at the end of the day. But my friend didn't have any attachment to it. It was just fun for him. So he ruined the transmission in the car. I wonder how many times my Lord, my Father, my Heavenly Father, entrust something into my care, and I botch it. I blow it. I pass that on to somebody else to do when God asked me to do it. I did not guard what my Father owned. It's your responsibility to guard what your Father owns and trusts into your, into your care. So that's Abraham's Surrender. Here, here's the, stop it. Here's the second thing I want us to see. It, this is Moses. Moses' conversion. I like to think of his life as conversion. Conversion. You know, when you say, no, Lord, when you're supposed to say, yes, Lord, you need a conversion. You need something to change your heart. In Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, Moses replied, I have never been a good speaker. I wasn't one before you spoke to me, and I'm not one now. I am slow at speaking, and I can never think of what to say. But the Lord, Adonai, the Lord answered, 
Who makes people able to speak or makes them deaf or unable to speak? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Don't you know that I am the one who does these things? Now go. When you speak, I will be with you and give you the words to say. Moses begged, Lord, Adonai, Lord, please send someone else to do it. What's he saying? No, sir. He should be saying, yes, sir. God wants to do something amazing through this humble guy. But he says, no, sir. Don't say no, sir, to God. You see, Moses lacked credibility. He didn't have confidence in himself. Nobody else had any confidence in him. He lacked credibility. Anytime you want to say no to what God's asking you to do, it's because you lack credibility. But Adonai, the Lord, the master says, just go do it. I'm going with you. I'll be right there. I'll back. I'll be your backup. I'll make sure it's okay. By calling God Adonai, he confesses God runs the show. The God's in charge. And yet he says, no, sir. Send someone else. God doesn't always call the equipped, but he always equips the called. If you take a note, you ought to write that down because that's, that's probably for you. I'll say it again. God doesn't always call the equipped, but he always equips the called. So never let what other people say about you limit what you do for God and his kingdom. Some of you have been lied to. Your parents lied to you when you were young. They told you you weren't worth anything. They told you you would never make it. They told you you were stupid and you bought the lie. It is not true. When God moves in our lives, he can bring about a conversion and change us. And equip us to do what he's asked us to do. In the New Testament, we call this the Lordship of Christ. Making Jesus Christ Lord of our life. We don't just say, Lord, Lord. Jesus said, you're going to say, say, Lord, Lord, but I never knew you. We did all these miracles for you. And he said, I never knew who you were. No relationship. You see, in the kingdom of God, this is a relationship between us and a holy God. And he loves to work through us. Okay. Here's the third thing. The third story I want us to see. Oh, by the way, before we move into number three, the last thing I want to say about number two His word has the final say. His word has the final say. Okay, number three, I want us to look at Gideon and Gideon's character. In in Judges chapter 6, verses 13 through 16, it says, Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, that's Adon. Notice that's a small, small L. Oh, my Lord, Adon, singular. This is a... This is a word that means that you might address some big shot in the community, Lord. Oh, my Lord, if the Lord, that's Adonai, the plural, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? I I don't think Gideon was the only one who come up with that question. Maybe you've asked that. If If you're really Lord of my life, why am I going through all this stuff? Why is there all this hard stuff happening to me if you're really my Lord? 
Why has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord, Adonai, bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord, Adonai, has forsaken us and delivered us into his into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord, Adonai, turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord Adonai said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man, as if it was just one man. You can take on one man. You can defeat the whole Midianite group as if it was just one man. Because I'm going with you. That's Adonai. He's changing the character of Gideon. You see, God has no plan B. When he speaks into your life and asks you to do something, he is setting you up for a miracle. Quit saying no, sir. Say yes, sir. And watch and see what God can do. Back in the early 1970s, I was a student at a a small uh, Bible college in Fort Wayne called Christian Training Center. And this was back in the hippie days, and I was one of them. And it was uh, I was attracted to that ministry because I wanted to belong. And here were a bunch of young people like me. We all had long hair, beards, and dressed crazy. And I fit in. And I liked that. And it gave me self-confidence. gave me courage. Yes. So I was a part of the training for the program. And this, this was 19, I think it was 75, I'm guessing. Um, and I was one of them with the long hair. And I remember the pastor of that, of that church that had that school, Dr. Paul E. Pano, sent out a, um, I called it an edict, a rule that everybody on staff, and that included all of us young, young people that were in training for ministry, we all had to get our hair cut off the collar. Couldn't be any lower than the collar and no more than halfway down the year. That was the rule. When I heard this rule, I was furious. I was angry. And I remember what I said to God. I said, how dare he? How dare he? I'm trying to reach this subculture group that is lost. I'm trying to reach these hippies and bring them into the kingdom, into the faith. And my identification with them is my hair. And he's telling me I have to cut my hair. How dare he? And I remember crystal clear, heard the Lord speak to me and say, how dare you? You enroll in this man's school so he can teach you how to reach the lost. And the first time he tells you to do something personally, you're mad at him. How dare you? Slumped down in my seat. And I literally said out loud, yes, sir. 
got home and called up my girlfriend. That was Anita. And I said, who's that lady that cuts your hair? (laughs) She gave me the name. I made an appointment. I went out there. I got my hair cut. I told her, I said, I said, no shorter than on the collar. I want it touching the collar and, and halfway down my ear. Halfway. I didn't want any shorter than she was telling me. I was a submissive rebel. I learned a valuable lesson about submission. God will always tell us to do something we don't want to do. That's the Adonai. That's the Lord, the Lord thing here. So I've been the pastor of this church for 43 years now. I can't hear like I used to hear. I can't see like I used to see. I can't remember your names like I used to remember. I realize my age is taking a toll on me. So I have come to the conclusion that I I believe it is the Lord's will for me to step down from my position as senior pastor of this church and president of the board of directors. That's the legal leadership role that I've been carrying. I have no desire to go to Florida and sit under a palm tree. God's put a calling in my life. And I have a passion inside to serve God. And I would miss him to step aside from that. But it's healthy for this church to have somebody younger, more energy, with a, with a vision to reach the young generation. That would be better than I am for that. So as of, at the end of this year, I am going, it's my plan to step down from that position. I don't want to stop doing what I'm doing. So what I would like, what I would like to do is continue on as an associate pastor in this church, do some teaching, serve wherever I can, support the new senior pastor as much as I can. That's what I would like to do because all my family, oh, not, I can't say all, my family is in this church. My entire social network is in this church. I don't want to leave you guys. I love you. I love hanging out with you. I love worshiping God with you. I love serving God with you. But it's good for the church for me to step aside, somebody younger to step in. We have a secession plan in place. You as the membership have already approved that. We are going to work through that secession plan and we're going to show this dysfunctional world out there how transition should go. There's a right way and there's a stupid way. And we have a model in Washington of the stupid way. And the reason I say this so positively is because he is the Lord of his church. This should never be the people's church. You get that? Should never be the people's church. The, the downfall of the church in America is the democratization of the church, where we tell people, what do you, what do you think the church should do? What the church should be doing is finding out what God wants it to do. 
You know, that's going to happen if we spend time with him in prayer. Then he'll show us. Okay, got to move on. Got six minutes left. Here's the fourth thing. The fourth thing, the fourth time that word Adonai is used. This is in Isaiah. This is uh, his vision in uh, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, Adonai, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. You remember hearing that. I preached on that many times. Uses the word Adonai. I saw the Adonai sitting on his throne. Notice how that verse started. When King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on his throne. Sometimes God has to take away that thing we're depending on. That thing we're relying on for us to realize he still sits on the throne. We sometimes think we sit on the throne. He sits on the throne. This is exciting. So let me share this verse in conclusion, kind of wrapping this up. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and and 20, I believe God put this on my heart for us, for this particular group. So listen up. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, Don't be immoral in matters of sex. That is a sin against your own body in a way no other sin is. You surely know that your body is a temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. The Spirit is in you and is a gift from God. You are no longer your own. God paid a great price for you. So use your body to honor God. Amen. You are not your own. You are not in charge of your life even though you think you are. You are responsible to God. And there will come a time we're all going to have to stand before him and give account of what we've done in this lifetime. So think about that. He owns you. Unless you're a runaway. He owns you. Don't let that scare you. He's a good God. He wants good things for your life. And he wants to use you, even though, even, even, even you who are saying, can't use me. Maybe I'm talking to somebody at home, but that seems to impress on my heart right now. Somebody at home, you're thinking, oh, God can't use me. That's a lie. Quit saying no, sir. Watch and see what God can do in your life. Did you notice that in each case, the Lord Adonai told these people what to do? Made it crystal clear. And did you notice in each case, each case they argued with him? This is human nature. When you say no, sir, it doesn't surprise God. This is, this is the way we work. We, we think we can't because we can't, but God can. So when you call him Adonai, when you make him Lord, you submit to him. You do things his way, we see great and, great and mighty things happen. Worship team's gonna come up because we're gonna sing one last song here in just a minute, but let me, let me illustrate the principle of, of lordship here. 
Imagine a cowboy who gets a horse that's never been ridden before. Horse looks great. This horse could be on TV in one of those westerns. But there's a problem with the horse. He is stubborn. Every time that cowboy tries to get on, that horse does everything he can to buck him off. Because the horse wants to be independent. Wants to be his own boss. So he does everything he can to buck that rider off. What's the rider do? Gets right back on again. Bucks him off again. What's the rider do? Dusts himself off. Gets right back up on the horse. Because he's got to break that stubborn horse's will before the horse can be useful. Understand where I'm talking about? You see where I'm going with this? You can buck all you want. The rider's going to keep getting right back on. He's not going to quit because he loves you. And you can be as stubborn as you want. God is more stubborn than you are. My computer, I have a password. Most people don't know what my password is to get into my computer. Pastor Todd knows because every time I do some dumb thing with it, he's got to come over and get on it and fix it. Adonai is the password. Call God Lord and opens up a whole world of possibilities. God wants to partner with us. Of course, you can't do anything out of your capabilities, but God can empower you. And he wants to empower us and work through us and use us. It's As I look at my life and what God has done in this church, I am amazed at the goodness of God. Because I would never have known most of you in this room if it wasn't for the grace of God. And there's a whole lot more lost out there that are going to come to God. And I can't wait to watch and see what the young generation does to bring those lost into the kingdom of God. And I refuse to be one of those. Somebody's going to call me on this. One of those old farts that just stands around and hinders everything God wants to do. I refuse to be one of those old guys. I'm going to cheer the next generation on. Amen. Amen.